Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhez Omapete on SAFM. Wow, if you've just joined us, my name is Lebo Ramafuku and what a feat for uh, the eve of 16 days of activism where I push aside Usongezo Mabete, who has gracefully given me this opportunity to take over uh, what did uh, uh, Uzozini tell us? She said, she told us to occupy and take space. (laughs) I am taking up space on SAFM if you have just joined us. My name is Lebora Mafuku, currently the chief executive of uh, the Atlantic Fellows for Health Equity South Africa at Tekano. And today I am joined by a woman who I really respect. I call her a teacher. I call her a mentor. She is a midwife. She is an author. She is an activist and she is a leader and a healer. And her name is Matsilo Mutei. And before I introduce Matsilo, I first met her at the Soul City Institute when I was 24 years old. I'm a few months shy of 50 at the moment. And uh, we met at Soul City. And at that time, she had started an organization called Ahisanang Domestic Abuse Prevention and Training or ADAPT one organization that was the first to work with women, but then work with men who had been perpetrators of violence. And I was really impressed by this agile, dynamite woman who was just so wise. And I told myself back then that I will work with Matsilo in my lifetime. And it has been a pleasure to know and work with Matsilo, who herself has an amazing story to tell. Let me welcome you, Matsilo, and really thank you for honoring me with spending this Zozini moment when I occupy uh, SAFM and say thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm a witness to the occupation tonight. <laughs> Matsilo, now... Um, You know, you've celebrated your 60th birthday and um, you are doing a PhD uh, Mm. and you are initiating a project on uh, Marumo Fazi, put your, your weapons down and you are looking at healing and a whole lot of things. On the eve of 16 days of activism, what are some of the lessons that you have learned as an activist? And I ask you this question because, you know, I also know your daughter and and, and your other children. But I remember how you would often ask a question about whether or not our daughters um, are going to have to take up arms like we had to at very early ages, forced by circumstances. What are some of the Mm. lessons that you have learned as an activist reaching this uh, modern day age, as you normally call it? Yes. Um, One thing that uh, stands out for me, uh, as I listen to you framing the question, 
the one thing that comes to my mind is the concept of wounded healer. Mm-hmm. That in many ways, activists are also wounded healers. That the work that we choose to do is informed by our wounds. It, it is informed by our experiences. In, in certain instances, um, the experience may be positive, uh, and because you've had this positive experience and uh, it frames the way that you look at the world and you continue on that path. But in most instances, it is because of a negative experience. So what I have learned throughout uh, my life is that when I started as a, as a young activist, I was operating from a place of bleeding. And when I say that, I remember at one point, one day, one Saturday, one of those, one of those weekends when we, we run from one place to the other because the world needs us. But when we run out to the world, uh, the one person that we leave behind unattended is ourselves. I remember that one Saturday, I was still at working at Alex. I had so many meetings on that day, and my last my last uh, uh, appointment was somewhere in Soweto, uh, in a church where I was talking about uh, domestic violence. And I remember coming back home. I think it was school holidays. I remember coming back home to a dark house that that I've been out the whole day lighting up candles, metaphorically speaking, lighting up wow. candles for people's lives. And at the end of that day, I came back to a dark house. So sure. it, it, it's coming to me now. And I remember mm. how I cried that evening that I also wished that I could come home to a house that's got light, the same light that I have. So um, fast forward to, I know we'll speak about that later, but fast forward to after having written Kanga and the Kangaroo Court and, and, and losing everything. And also, that was also another moment where I had to face my gaping wound. Mm. And, and, and Mother Nature and Universe was so kind that I was stripped of everything. So now, I couldn't run anymore. I couldn't hide behind titles. I couldn't hide behind I'm busy. I couldn't hide behind anything. And and so yes. I had to be in one place. And uh, so, allow my wound to come out. So what I have learned all these years is that the most effective leader is the one who also is aware of her limitations, of her wounds, of her weaknesses, and who doesn't run away from that. It's very difficult at first, I know. I speak to young women who are so eloquent and so powerful, but then when I, when I kind of indicate uh, some aspect of their brokenness, they tell me straight out that they can't deal with that. 
So what I have learned up to where I'm at now is that ultimately to be effective is that as you light candles for others, you should also light candles for yourself. As you heal others, you should also allow yourself to be healed because there are certain mm-hmm. things that you can't solve, that you can't solve for yourself, which means that yes. you should allow yourself to be rescued by others and not only be a rescuer. Matsilo, that is so powerful because, of course, even, you know, uh, Women's Month and this month, we, 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 we speak of Mbokodo as if women, you know, don't feel pain and as if in order to be a a, a proper activist you must be this strong woman and i guess that strength is also a way in which patriarchy says to us you need to be supernatural in order to take on the world i want to talk about the wilderness because you you touched on a subject that i had not even considered about the price you pay for this activism. And and I want to name it, and I, I nearly interjected um, when you were speaking about this period where you were stripped off of everything. And 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 you this is the period after you had written The Kanga and the Kangaroo Court, a book that spoke about the infamous case of the president and Fezeka when Fezeka had um, accused the president, the ex-president of rape and how daring to speak out, you know, uh, you basically became the leaper. Tell us about that moment when you lost everything because again, we do not want to come out and speak about the scars we carry as a result yeah. of the activism that we do. Sometimes the scars that we don't only carry, but the scars that our children carry, either by us not being home, by us not being available, or by us being punished because we dared speak truth to power. What yeah. is your reflection on that? What have you learned about that and your journey of healing that particular moment for you? Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's like so, so many thoughts that come to my mind as, as I listen to you. But I want to start by saying that um, um, activism is also it's a form of a calling. And uh, it breaths you. It consumes you. It's something that you are called to do. And because it's your calling, sometimes when you want to not do it, you feel compelled. You feel uh, pulled to do that. So when I wrote that book, um, I was already you know, called to do the work that I'm doing. And I was, you know, as they say in, in our local uh, language, I call it, it should be it was deep end, you know? Mm. And when you are deep end uh, and you are called to do that, you can't. I tell you why I wrote that book. I used to come home at the time because I used to watch what was 
going on on television at the time and I would use I would read newspaper clippings and I'd come home broken, broken and complaining to my family almost every evening. And and I was you know, the, the trial itself was breaking me and what was making things worse for me was that the trial was triggering for so many women, some of them who called me at the time, including some of the women who were raped in the camps, you know, in exile. So I was, I was, I was bombarded with women's pain, and I was carrying my own pain as well. And I had no way to take it to, except to take it and complain at home, until, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they said to me, but you are a writer. Why don't you write? And I said, actually, that's a good idea. Yeah. And I literally wrote that book in four months. And during that four months, I didn't sleep. I would, like, wake sure. up in the middle of the night and just write. When we mm. launched it at the Constitution here, I remember a few days before the launch, uh, my brothers were worried, like, Sister, don't you think that we should organize a bodyguard for you or something? And my mother says, no need. No need for a bodyguard. She's going to be okay. Nobody's going to touch her. And when mm. we launched the book, <laughs> my mom was there. And wow. I remember walking out that evening after the book launch. There was a guy who was standing outside. Our sister, we tepilay, you know. Yo. Uh, Yo. We tepilaying. And, and funny enough, even when I was asked that question, I wasn't scared. Because sometimes Hovastavon does help. You know, to to be able to survive in this field, you have to be stubborn. And I looked yeah. at him in the eye, and I wasn't scared. But but I was also clear that I cannot be touched physically. And when you ask me, mm-hmm. where, do, where did I know that from? I would say to you, I don't know where I know that from. I couldn't be touched physically. They got me economically. And And because I've always been an independent worker... Uh, I've always worked outside of the system. I've always worked in communities. So it, it was very yeah. easy Matilo, to punish me. Hello. Matilo, somebody yes. wants to e- even speak to us. We've got Anonymous from KZN. Uh, let's yeah. hear what Anonymous has to say. Hello, Anonymous. Can you hear us? Yes, loud and clear. Lovely big voice, just like mine. <laughs> Oh, great, I, always, yes. I always make a joke with my guests who have, uh, with some guests or guests who have big voice like mine. I always ask them, uh-huh. I'm 500, what's, what's yours? <laughs> make a joke. But lovely guest on the show. Thank you so much for being there. But I have a problem. You know, when people are in pain and they are, uh, have some sort of, they, where are, when they are in pain and they don't know how to show their pain to someone or how, um, in this beautiful world of ours, so what they do, what I've observed, is what they do every 16 days of uh, activism, I found that somebody has been murdered within that 16 days of activism and also before and the whole year through, but particularly I'm referring to the 16 days of activism because now a three-year-old child was strangled by the neighbor, 27-year-old neighbor, right? Which is, uh, he, he must have been suffering in some pain or some agony and he can't show it. So he takes it, his revenge on someone else. We, uh, we must first learn never to revenge 
when we're in pain, we must open up. We must talk to somebody. We must, uh, we must uh, talk to someone who, uh, you know, some psychologist or some person who's mm-hmm. trustable. A trustable person, not a person who go and, and, and gossip about you everywhere. Oh, this guy is mad, he's mental, he's this, he's that. No, we need to help the person. We don't know what they're going through. Maybe they're unemployed. Maybe they, they've got uh, uh, financial commitments and, uh, and they mm. now they don't know how to cope. So they now revenge another person because they don't know how to help themselves with their pain and agony. Yeah, I, I hear that. But, but let me tell you where, for me, sometimes that argument does not make sense. Or, or, or it, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me, not that the argument itself doesn't make sense. Is the fact that it does look like we expect that trauma will do, will make men do what it makes women do differently. I don't even know whether this is the proper language. What I'm trying to say is the fact that I, I can understand what you are saying, unless um, if, if, if maybe my own understanding is flawed. But, you know, for many women, we expect women to bear it, even when their lives are traumatic. But other people, we say perhaps this is what they are doing because of the trauma that they have gone through. Maybe this trauma manifests itself very differently. What are your thoughts, Matilo? We've all been traumatized, uh, Lebo, both as mm. women and men and children. And in fact, right now in this country, people are even becoming more and more traumatized. But the thing yeah. about expression of trauma and what you do with trauma is also genderized, you know? Yes, that that's, the, that's the language I wanted, be, exactly. Can be traumatized and feel and be forgiven for that mm. let a woman do the same thing uh it's going to create a different kind of reaction but also the thing about uh, which is very important is that even when you are traumatized when you traumatize others you have to account for the trauma yes. that you cause others there has to be a form of accountability as human beings we have a we have reason and we need to develop kind of a way of relating which is different so my answer is yeah we are all traumatized and being traumatized some people are forgiven for expressing their trauma in a certain way others are not allowed which is problematic but another issue i want to say is that this, the system itself, and when I say a system, I say the entire community is trauma itself. So even when yes. you are feeling pain, where do you go? Do you take your trauma to a traumatized system? That is the challenge mm. for us at this point. Mm. Uh, as as yeah. we often say, the center does not hold, you know? Yes. Uh, mm. What I'm I'm feeling this phase. I know this is a strong phrase, but I'm going to say it. I think we are becoming a failed state. And that's why mm. a 27-year-old man will strangle a child because yeah. we have become dead inside. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm happy you brought us there about the system because, of course, you know, um, in order to create an enabling environment, you need to change the system. Now, part of the work that you do relates to Marumo Fati. And right. it is about finding different ways of restorative justice because the yeah. kind of a, a, a Western punitive justice doesn't seem to work. Now, isn't that a contradiction in terms? And, 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 and how do you explain it, particularly because the anger in society, and it's not only anger around violence, it's also around anger around uh, corruption and yeah. all of the different ways in yeah. which our state is failing. People are yeah. saying, throw them in jail, throw away the keys. Marumo yeah. And the act of forgiveness, which in itself is very difficult to do. Mm. Tell us mm. a little bit more about that, because it's one way in which, as an activist um, um, uh, of many years, you know, who herself has been brutalized and, 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 and really has had state violence over her life. Mm. How do you get to a point of Marumo Fati? What are you looking yeah. at and what do you think that has to offer to us? Before you engage that question, please, Memazilo, let me just read a couple of messages as well that have since come through, which I will then request you as you respond to this to consider them as well. One, hello, my presenter. Wow, what a wonderful woman. Indeed, she's a strong and powerful woman. I think South Africa needs women like her so that it can be a better place for all. God bless her and her organization. I am Babenda at Kwakwa. Second one, evening song as well with Mrs. Lebo. My question towards Ms. Lebo is that why they don't establish youth programs in our townships on dealing with human abuse training and also work with our, oh goodness gracious, work with our youth, my brother, in launching programs on what is the cause of all of these issues of abuse of women and children. This is Mr. Mfugeng in Frankfurt in the Free State Province. Final one, the launch of 16 days by the minister was not impressive. They looked tired, fatigued, helpless, and hopeless. The ministers, Ngwana Maide Mashabane, should behave this thing of stock objectification of women. I don't quite understand the last meaning of that, but those are the three mm-hmm. SMSs that have come through. Please, dear mamas, respond. Well, thank you. We only have a minute, by the way, as you give us all of that. Matsilo, Marumo Fatsi. Okay. I firstly to say that I'm not an either-or person. When mm. I say that Marumo Fatsi is exploring uh, the, the, the use of African jurisprudence in responding to gender-based violence, I'm not saying that uh, we now open up all the prisons and all of that. There is, mm. there is usefulness of the present criminal justice system. There's some cases where you need it. But then in mm. certain instances, I have a situation where men come to me, for instance, mm. uh, that, uh, who have raped, who admit. I mean, in my work with men, for instance, one of the questions on the third day, usually three days, by the third day we are friends, first day we are not friends, but by the third day, I would start the day by asking a question, how many of you have raped a woman? And mm. one or two or three will raise up their hands. And that one, two or three are the ones 
that the, the ones who would be uh, participants within Marumofat because immediately they accept responsibility for what they are doing. And, and mm. therefore, Marumofat is exploring what I call the African Indigenous Healing Justice Framework that we can mm-hmm. use. Firstly, people take account. Secondly, uh, take response, agree that they have been traumatized. Thirdly, take full responsibility for their healing so that their trauma is not excused Aye, for their violence. So this is essentially uh, what Marumo Fati is about, you know. Um, and, yeah. and, and we think that we use other indigenous healing modalities. For instance, uh, the spears will, be, will use beading around the spears. And the yeah. beading will be done by women who have been raped. And yeah. when you put beads but, around the spear as a woman, you are conscious of what you're doing. Each bead, mm. each bead is an atom or a molecule of healing. So that as yeah. you heal yourself, in your head, you transfer the healing to the men who are ready to heal yeah. themselves and take responsibility. But, this is what Marumafat is about. You and I can talk forever. You are a healer. There's so much to talk about. I mean, um, it is almost flattering to hear some of the SMSs saying, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? I hope that we are not only looking at the few of us who are doing the work, but we are inspiring others where we have not reached to reach. Songezo, it's been an amazing moment to spend this time speaking to Matsilo for you to have you know, allowed us to push us aside and do what Zozi has asked us to do. <laughs> it's been such a great privilege and a pleasure. And thank you so much for all of those flattering messages. Um, you know, this is what activism is about. We are because we sp- stand on the shoulders of great ones and we hope that we inspire others because this is not the work that is done by individuals but this is about a collective movement where we collectively and jointly agree that things need to change from Lebora Mafuku, the girl from manziville it's been very awesome and i can give the amazing songezo and thank you matsilo for honoring this thank moment you. back his yeah, show. I can tell you what you can do with the podcast of this. Take it to CNN. Use it as the basis of an audition. If you don't come right, come back to me. There clearly would be a problem at CNN. Thank you so much indeed, then. Thoroughly appreciate your time. And to you, you can be very sure the tables will be turned in due course, where we hope to have and secure your time in the very near future as the hashtag Tuesday Takeover. So great this conversation was, more importantly, so relevant. Of course, what is also relevant now is to know what's going on around the country. It's time for news. It's Greg Hose. Good evening, Greg.